Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Today, I am so excited to bring on this guest because this conversation went exactly the way I needed it to. And I stumbled my way through it a little bit because I think it was such a self-realization as we were chatting and you're going to figure that out as we go. But today I'm bringing on Yasmin Cheyenne. She is a self-healing educator, author, speaker, and mental wellness advocate. She's also been featured as a guest expert on the Today Show and has a community of over 150 thousand. She also has an amazing app called the Sugar Jar Community App. You're going to learn more about that during the show as well. But this is one of these conversations that we need to be having. And yes, it's going to be talking about boundaries. It's going to be talking about comparison. And it's going to be talking about intuition and all of these words that are often thrown around. But we need them to create meaning in our lives. We need them. We need boundaries. We need to figure out how to be better at creating them, figuring out what we need to have, and basically why we're doing the things that we always work towards doing and why we're not finding peace in them. That's where I'm at today. I uncomfortably have to admit that because it is something that I'm very much self-reflecting on, why I'm holding this pit in my stomach in the morning because stress is carrying around in my body and I need to figure out how to be a better advocate for myself. I need to figure out how to start having better boundaries and boundaries with things that I really love to do. So that's where we're going to start today. Please welcome our guest and enjoy today's show. All right. I'm so excited for today's conversation. We are bringing on Yasmin Cheyenne, and I really appreciate you coming on because you have quite a background when it comes to some really important topics that really impact all of us, but I think are also things that we can really be actively changing. So first of all, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, introduce yourself and who you are and what you do. Yes. Thank you for having me. I am Yasmin Cheyenne, I'm an author, a self-healing educator, mental health health advocate, and I help people create daily mm. practices that they actually want to do that help them live better lives. And it's not about perfection. It's not about following certain steps. It's really about checking within and asking yourself, what do you need? And then being willing to investigate how you can give it to yourself. That's fascinating. What, what would prompt you to get into that? Was it something that you were experiencing or was it something you were witnessing? This journey for me genuinely started when I was on active duty in the military. I was in the Air Force. And during that time, I was serving as a victim advocate, which basically is a person that supports, you know, victims of domestic violence, victims of sexual abuse, assault. And that's really when I began interested about what happens to people who experience tough things after they experience tough things. Like who's there? What are the what are they supposed to do after that? And obviously those are more, you know, 
extreme or tougher experiences, domestic violence, sexual assault, abuse, but any form of trauma, anything that we go through, that's when I started to realize, oh my gosh, like I've gone through things. Other people I know are going through things. What, What are we supposed to do with it? And that's where I really began my own personal journey that morphed into what I do today a decade or so later. <laughs> I love that you said that kind of note about how some people have like really big things. I, I remember when somebody said there's big T trauma and little T trauma, and we really mm-hmm. only know to the extent of what we experienced, right? And people love to often throw around the word trauma or triggers, but the reality is for some people, we have really big T trauma and some are really, mm-hmm. it's the only, it's small because it's to the only capacity we've ever experienced, right? That's not to minimize its impact. And the reality that a lot of us are moving through experiences, even as simple as, you know, a hard breakup can, you know, be a little T for a lot of people or a big one, depending on the oh, situation, Lord, right? Yeah. These are like, everything is so, I, I just find in this day and age, a lot of times we minimize each other's experiences because it's like the pain Olympics of I've gone through something bigger. Therefore you, you could handle this. You've got this. I've done, I've had worse. Right. And, and I really love that you kind of noted on that, but you, you really got into refining and bringing big conversations to the table all around boundaries. Where Mm -hmm. does that come into this in terms of like this daily practice and people that have like gone through things and are trying to move forward? Where do boundaries fit in? And and why has that been such a core focus in your work? Yeah, I just want to comment quickly on what you just shared. I think what the term for that is called comparative suffering. It's when we compare what we've gone through to what someone else is going through. Oh, well, what I've gone through isn't that bad. So I should, it's not as bad as what they went through. So I should just move on. And it's important that we recognize no matter how big or small, only we get to define whether it's big or small and it matters no matter how big or small it is. And so I think that's super important. Boundaries is the thing that often keeps us from our peace and our joy, because when we don't have boundaries in place, we don't have time. We don't have energy. We don't have, maybe we don't have money. Maybe we don't have, we, we often have a lot of resentment. We often have a lot of internal anger and we're often overwhelmed and overburdened. And so the people who come to me are looking to live better lives. They want to know why it's hard for them to slow down. They want to know why it's hard for them to find time for themselves. And it's boundaries. It's, it's more than that. But the, the thing that keeps us from being able to have the life that we want is often the idea that everyone else should come before ourselves. And we're not prioritizing ourselves. So boundaries is what helps us not only with others, teaching others how to treat us, but teaching ourselves how to treat ourselves, honoring our own boundaries and advocating for what we need within ourselves as well. And so that kind of became, you can't really have what you want in your life if you don't have the energy to give it to yourself. Mm -hmm. And boundaries becomes the way to be able to make sure that you're doing that, that you're a priority too. This feels almost ironic that Mother's Day just passed because mm. when we talk about boundaries and you think about mothers and then, you know, add in households and, and work and all of that, it does feel almost like it, it's impossible. And I, I, I even said this today in a recent interview, just about this idea of balance. It almost does feel impossible. And I think that in, in my season of life right now, balance is something I can work towards, but I might not always attain because the reality is there's a lot of stuff to get done. But then mm-hmm. as you're speaking, I'm kind of recognizing there's also a lot of boundaries that I don't have in place. You know, I have friends who, when they screenshot their phones, I can see that they have, you know, 200 text messages they haven't replied to. And everyone has access to me at all times. I'm really bad with that boundary because I also am like a very responsive person. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of plates that are being carried at one time, not just a lot Mm -hmm. on the plates. There's a lot of plates. There's a whole buffet. So when it comes to recognizing where we need to find, like not just creating boundaries, but finding them, how do we know? And if you can answer this, where we can start identifying where that maybe resentment is building, where that boundary needs to be put in place. Cause I'm sort of thrown my arms up to it a little bit. I have boundaries in really great places and others that I'm like, maybe there needs to be more. Maybe balance is something that we can attain. Is this a reality that we can have and how do we get it? Mm-hmm. I love this. So I'm going to answer this question through the lens that I teach through, which is called the sugar jar. The sugar jar 
is something that came to me when I was in my kitchen, holding my newborn, first week back from maternity leave, overwhelmed, right? I teach this for a living and I was like, where are my boundaries? What is going on? I haven't changed my shirt. You know, like this was just (laughs) the reality of what was happening at this moment. And I looked at my kitchen and I saw a sugar jar and I immediately felt like, like sugar. Have you, you know, I like to tell people, have you ever spilled sugar before? First of all, sugar is something we all love. It's sweet. It's attractive. So it's the time, it's the energy, it's the money. It's the, let me pick your brain. It's the, do you have a second, right? It's the things that people want from us. So that we're, that's what it is. We're the sugar. The jar is where our sugar lives and the lid that goes on our jar is our boundaries. If we don't have a lid on our jar, then people can just come in, take sugar and they spill it. People don't really have as much care for our energy as we do. And when you've spilled sugar, and I'm sure you have spilled sugar before. I know I have. It's the worst. It gets everywhere. It's the worst. It's everywhere. You're finding it for weeks. And that's how our energy can feel when we're being pulled in multiple directions at the same time. We know there's a part of us that's still out there connected to that thing that we may have forgot that we have no idea what's going on. We're thinking about our friend who's having a breakup. We're thinking about work. We're thinking about emails. We're all over the place. And that balance that you're talking about is identifying when I look at my sugar jar, what level does my sugar jar need to be at for me to feel good, for me to wake up feeling okay, for me to go to sleep feeling okay. That means I'll have to say no to things that drain my sugar jar beyond that amount. I know if I go below that level that I'm going to feel overwhelmed, that I'm going to feel overworked, that I'm going to feel tired. And then we start to just ask ourselves, we become curious, who has access to my kitchen? Why do they have a key to my house? You know, why, why don't I have a lid on my jar? Yeah. Why do I feel bad about, you know, closing myself off? And it, it starts there because saying no, 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 no. Yes. That'll stop it for the moment. But if you don't understand why you struggle to say no, if you don't understand why you struggle to put those boundaries in place, if you don't understand why you're completely spread in so many different directions, then you're not able to actually stop what's really important, which is the cycle and the pattern and understanding I actually can't be everything to everyone and be there for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to have to choose at some point what's more important to me. And When I do that, it doesn't mean that those people aren't important to me or those things aren't important. It just means that I'm also important. Yeah. And I don't have enough to give to everyone. Oh, that just blew my honestly. I thought you did the sugar jar community app because it was a cute name. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) such an incredible meaning behind it. That is that is so well said. And and I have to ask this as well because I find for myself, I'm just going to pull from my own experiences as Mm -hmm. the line of questioning selfishly and also because I feel like maybe there's other people (laughs) that can relate. But I think a lot of it comes from this mindset of the other shoe is going to drop. So oftentimes out of loss of friendship, out of loss of relationship, out of loss of money or a scarcity of money, I sometimes have a hard time saying no to opportunities because I feel so worried that, you know, none of this is going to stay forever. And what if I, if I don't do the work, then I might go back to being in the place where I, you know, didn't have, or there's that other perception of if I say no to things, I'm not going to have more opportunities again. So the people pleaser in me comes out because I want to say yes to everyone so that opportunities still come. And at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I work 13 hour Mm -hmm. days and I still have everything to do tomorrow. And I have, you know, the four kids and whatnot going on in the household. And I, I find myself struggling almost that when I do say no, I'm grateful that I said no, but I'm also struggling with the fear of, did I make the right call here? Am I going to lose these opportunities? Am I going to, you know, is that other shoe about to drop? So I guess what I'm asking you is how do we confidently create boundaries when there is still a lot of fear involved, especially when we create them in relationships. Like if I say no to this friend, are they ever going to come back to me? Are they just going to get so used to me saying no that they leave me? That's, that's a real fear that I have. That is, thank you for sharing that. Because I think that what you just identified is when I was talking about the sugar jar and figuring out the cycle, that is the 
essence of what keeps you or and maybe people listening from setting those boundaries. And that's what keeps most of us pr- from setting boundaries. If I start saying no, will people still love me? Will people still like me? Will I, you know, lose my job if you don't have your own business or if you have your own business, will people, will it get around that I'm not a nice person? These are the realities of what happened. And when you, when you talked about people pleasing, people pleasing is a cycle that we learn when we were taught at some point that being agreeable was the safest and best thing to do, to be loved, to be seen, to be cared for, to be connected. It may be something that happened when we were children. For, for those of us who didn't experience this with our families, we may have experienced it in other relationships or friendships, or we may have watched someone we love doing that same kind of behavior. But somewhere along the line, we got the, uh, the, the information that if we want to be loved, if we want to be safe, if we want everything to be okay, just say yes. It's a reframe to begin to unlearn that behavior and instead choose, but what if I'm worth it anyway? Mm. What if I matter anyway? And some of it comes with, there's two pieces. The first piece is the brain. I want you, if you're listening, to fact check is what I call it. Sometimes we have to be, we have to go to the logic part first and say, okay, if I turn down this monetary opportunity, do I have evidence that I really will be broke? So if I actually don't have evidence that I really will be broke after this, or that I really will struggle after this, or that I really said no in a mean way, did I actually say no in a mean way or was I polite professional? Okay, so this isn't actually about what about me potentially being broke. This isn't actually about me being rude or mean or people saying things about me. This is about my fear. This is about the times where I knew I didn't have anything and that residual emotion coming forward. This is about me needing to create safety within myself again. Mm -hmm. This is about me needing to perhaps connect with a friend, a therapist, a coach, and allow someone to be there for me while I talk through getting support, getting connection. This is about me reminding my nervous system that actually I am safe and it is safe to say no. And these are the factual reasons why, but it's also emotionally good for me to do it because I'm already overwhelmed. Mm. So, so that's like the first piece. The second piece is to also be incredibly kind to yourself when these moments come up, because when they come up, we really believe what's happening. We're telling ourselves a story. Like people are not going to like me. You know, these things aren't going to happen. And even if you can't do what I just shared, the kindness, the fact checking, or the reaching out, in the moment, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my God, that happened to me two weeks ago, you can heal in hindsight. You can do it now. Yeah. You can stop in this moment and think, oh my gosh, two weeks ago when I said no to this, I was thinking this was going to be the end. Yeah. Get that connection now. Reach out to that friend, reach out to that therapist, reach out to that coach, do that fact checking, do that safety because it remind when we do when we take that action that's where we build the the reminder within ourselves to do it again in the future and again and again and again it makes so much sense and it and it brings up a conversation in my head that i had a few weeks ago with a friend and it was all around the fact that when we were in a time of you know scarcity not i i was you know referring to my season when i was living at my parents house and had to work two jobs and borrow their car and i was happy because there was part of me that was i was going through divorce and i knew that people were going to say things about me i knew that i couldn't people please my way through that people were going to say what they were going to say i knew i had to work these two jobs i was so excited to have these two jobs to be able to have and work and you know earn for myself that that this moving through the season that I would, you know, circumstantially consider the hardest was my happiest because I was doing the things that I needed to be doing for myself. And it was almost like the claw up was somewhat happier than when I actually got to a place of what I would see as circumstantially safer. And, you know, I'm in a great relationship. I have an incredible job that I love, but because I have this mentality of when am I going to fall down? that makes me make bad decisions. I don't, I'm not making decisions from a place of this is what I have to do because this is what needs to be done in this moment. It's what do I need to do to make other people happy? When I was Mm -hmm. in a season of being a single mom, it was just me and the kids I had to think about. That's all I had the energy for when I had everything else going on. And as things have become 
safer, I guess, and circumstantially better and financially more stable, there is almost like this creative area of our brain. I think it is what you're almost talking to where we start to create the issues in which bringing up what people might say or think, or the reality of when people have access to you, they will come. Like if your Mm -hmm. jar, like you said, like if the jar is open, if you've given them keys to the door, they're going to come and ask you for favors. They're going to come and pull from that. And I guess when we were having this conversation, my friend and I have both come from this. We've both come from a place of kind of clawing our way up into something. And then all of a sudden sitting in, in a better place and going, but now why am I less happy than when I was doing the climb up? And mm. I think a lot of it comes down to the the reality of not having those healthy boundaries in place so that when we got settled, we got far too open to everything and far too fearful of falling back down as opposed to before you had nothing to lose. So it was always about yeah. the climb up. It was always about just getting to the next place and, and recognizing that people were going to say things about you, recognizing that you couldn't make everybody happy and, you know, retro Retrospectively, that's such a huge thing that I've been focused on the last couple of weeks, which makes this conversation so timely in terms of how do I get back into a place where every decision I'm making is one that I'm excited about, that that every decision Mm -hmm. I'm making is a me decision not in like the way of like, what are we having for dinner? We're only having what I'm having, like not like that reality <laughs> and, or being selfish, you know, I've got employees too. There's obviously more people to think about beyond myself, but to truly live a happy life, especially when I've come to a place that I've worked so hard for, how do we actually enjoy it? Do you find a lot of people come to that place where they, you know, come from something and once they get settled into something better, they struggle to kind of find that balance of peace? Absolutely. People are often completely shocked when they get to where they've been working for, for years that why am I still not enjoying it? And I think also, you know, I've been divorced as well. So I absolutely resonate with the idea of being a single mom and having, you know, that experience. And I also think this may not be true for you, but maybe true for some of the people listening that when we're in that survival mode period, we don't have a lot of room for how do you feel in this moment? Or yeah. we don't often give ourselves a lot of space for that. We're in survival yeah. mode. Yeah. So it's not necessarily, you may have actually been happier then. That may be true. And I would imagine that you were also in survival mode. Oh, I think I for time. sure was. I don't think I was, I think there was a lot of things that were happy about it. I think mostly mm-hmm. the fact that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't yeah. as catastrophic as I made it to be mm-hmm. in my head, that there was something about making a decision and truly every day waking up and moving forward that was very empowering, but like happy. I don't know. It was really hard to be happy <laughs> when you are truly on like four hours of sleep and and doing a yeah. lot for a lot of people. But there's part of me that reflectively looks back and says, that was a really happy, that was a great season of life. We had some really great times. But I wonder mm-hmm. if that's just my own inner peace was in a better place because I am so happy with my life and so happy with everything, but I struggle a lot to feel content. I struggle a lot to feel like I know I'm in a place that's that's safe now, but it's it's a struggle to really allow that to kind of play out as opposed to uh, letting the fear kind of take over of like pulling me back into a time of of not having everything, you know, that I have now. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. And I think the reason why I wanted to bring attention to that is mm-hmm. because I think a lot of us who make it to wherever we're, and you don't have to be a business owner. You don't have to mm-hmm. be, you know, like on a yacht. Like you could just yeah. be like, oh, I'm finally where I want it to be. And I'm struggling to enjoy where I am now when before I was hoping and praying for this, but I felt like at that point I was more happy or I was more joyful. I was more grateful or I was less scared. And I think what happens for a lot of us in those moments, if it, whether it's a divorce that puts you into that situation or you lose your job or whatever it is, you just went through the past two years, a lot of change happened for a lot of people in these last two years. When we're in a place of survival mode, or if you've experienced something like a divorce where it's kind of traumatic <laughs> to have what you thought would be forever in, once we have that fairy tale story erased, And we know that there's an opportunity, that there's possibility, that things can change, that things can end, that the rug can be pulled from under your feet. We have that fear that that the moment I get comfortable, that's the moment that the rug is going to just get pulled from under under my feet and I'm going to be caught completely off guard and have to claw myself out again. Mm. And that story that we replay 
is not just our fears, it's our lived experiences. We have evidence. Our brain is like, hello, do you remember what happened 10 years ago? Or whenever, how long ago was for you? And so I think it's important to remind ourselves that like, I am, I am having an experience that is based off, based off of tough times that I've actually been through. I'm not crazy. I'm not making this up. I, I, yes, those times were great and they were a moment of growth and they probably were incredibly hard and something that I would imagine you, you don't want to experience again. And for a lot of the people listening, they may you know, feel, feel the same about those times that yes, empowered them and showed them what they were made of and also would love to not have that life experience again. And so we live in that place of, I'm going to keep one foot in the present and I'm also going to keep one foot ready for what might come my way. And I invite you to learn how to know that we're preparing for something that one may not happen. We're using a lot of our energy for something that may not come. We're forgetting that we already have the experience. We made it through before, which means I can be in the present and know that if something hard came my way, I could make it again. I had less experience, less money, less resources then. I could definitely make it now. And also reminding ourselves that we're kind of missing what we gave ourselves the opportunity to have in this moment. We're missing the joy of it. We're missing the ease of it. We're not living fully in the moment of it because we're in preparation of when it doesn't last. And no, things don't always last, but they are happening right now. Mm. And so what would it feel like to allow ourselves to live in the now even if it's just for like, okay, I'll give myself 20 minutes today <laughs> to be happy with where I am in this moment and to let go of the scarcity or fear that I might be allowing to take over my mind most days. But in this moment, I'm just going to practice. What if I, what if those thoughts weren't true? What if, what if I could be in this moment right now? Yeah. I just said a lot, but I want to, I no. wanted to share that. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I think that it brings me back to every Sunday night I've ever had where it's like that Monday morning is about to come and it's really hard to enjoy those final moments of rest on your weekend when you become mm. stressed about what's happening the next day, what is coming, what you'll be asked of. And so I have to ask, like, I know you talk about this a little bit as well, but between, you know, how do we really choose ourselves and trust our intuition especially when we do know that there's part of us that is fear-driven or that has, you know, different experiences in the past when it comes to figuring out how to choose ourselves and, you know, create boundaries, but also learning, you know, I saw this in one of your notes about like learning healthy compromise as well. Like all mm -hmm. of these things, how do we begin to start making these steps so that we can kind of live a happier life we can set the circumstances aside because those are different for everybody. But when it comes to our intuition, choosing mm -hmm. ourselves and our boundaries, what are some great ways that we can start doing that? I think that's such a good segue because the first part of understanding our intuition and trusting it is knowing that knowing when our intuition is present and the difference between when it's fear. Mm. Fear often sounds like, what if this happens? What if that happens? Fear is often that scarcity voice. It gets confusing because it sound, all of it sounds like us. It's coming yeah. from inside ourselves. Yeah. But fear can sound like scarcity. Intuition is usually sounds more certain. This feels like the right thing to do. I don't know why it feels like the right thing to do, but I just know that this feels good. I want this commitment. I'm not going to go there. And often intuition says, don't say yes. And then fear comes and says, but what happens if you don't? Ooh, and yeah. that's how we begin to learn the difference. So once we begin to understand the difference between, okay, that's my intuition talking, that's my fear talking, and it comes with practice. And I just want to share that we're on a lifelong journey and we'll be practicing for the rest of our lives. So there's no perfection in this. That's when we can begin to choose ourselves. Because if I actually don't want to do this, but I say yes anyway, I've just betrayed myself. Mm -hmm. If I actually don't want to be a part of this, and I've said yes, because I'm afraid I've just betrayed myself. And so in those situations, sometimes our intuition does get quieter. Our intuition never leaves us, but it's not quieter because it doesn't want us to hear it. It's because we're not listening. Fear mm -hmm. is louder than our intuition. So we choose ourselves when we, even if we experience that residual guilt afterwards of saying no, 
we still choose ourselves anyway, when we know that the decision we're making is best for us. And also trusting that the right opportunities we never miss and that the right opportunities are always coming our way. And sometimes even journaling about times when you were afraid that if you said no, or if you didn't do something, that nothing was going to come your way, spending five minutes to remind yourself of all of the things that came your way after you said no that time, or spending time to think about all the things that came your way when you chose yourself that time. It's one of those things that gets sharper and that we're more willing to do when we begin to build up the evidence that it's worth it, that our lives can still go on and be good. I honestly get choked up talking about Slumberkins because it's just one of the most amazing products I've found for my daughter in, I've just never seen anything like it. I don't even know how to explain it, but I'm going to try because Slumberkins is an emotional wellness company focused on raising the next generation of caring, confident, and resilient children. Each collection teaches a set of skills like self-esteem, stress relief, authenticity, growth mindset, and more. They have these incredible creature collections and they're full of these snuggly creatures that they can hold on to along with positive affirmations and books that teach age-appropriate tangible lessons in a way that kids understand. They were actually created by a therapist and educator. So Slumberkin Stories use therapeutic techniques to help children master social emotional skills. Created by moms, for moms, and trusted by thousands. Slumberkin provides tools to teach children how to understand and support their emotions designed to set the emotional wellness foundations for any family. Trust me, I learned through these books as well. Learning about emotions has never been more fun and approachable for families and Slumberkin creatures and board books are perfect for children ages zero through eight. And right now you can check out Slumberkins and use my code papaya at checkout for 15% off your first order. Go to www.slumberkins.com. That's S-L-U-M-B-E-R-K-I-N-S.com to learn more and use that code papaya at checkout for 15% off. I can't wait to see which one of the Slumberkins really connects for you. Mine was Hammerhead and Sprite. I love them. Wait till you go and check them all out. You're going to be so blown away. Slumberkins.com, code papaya. I'm a busy person. I don't know if you knew that with a podcast and an Instagram and an entire business to run an app. I'm busy. Uh, It's a lot. And I'm also a mom. I'm a friend. I'm a partner. I'm a human. So when it comes to body care and time for that, I really don't have a lot of it. So when I make the time, I want to feel amazing. This is why I've heavily relied on and fallen in love with Frank Body over the years. I've worked with them for years, but before that, I was a customer. I just loved their product. I loved their branding. I loved what they were doing, and I gave them a shot, and I've never looked back. The body care I choose, well, it needs to be fast, effective, feel good, mess-free, time-saving, nice-smelling, and affordable. That's a lot of boxes to tick, right? Well, introducing Frank Body's new Rosehip Body Duo. As I speak this out loud, I have to tell you, I am down to my last drops of this, but this duo contains the Rosehip Body Scrub and Cleanser and the Rosehip Dry Body Oil. So let me just break this down. The Rosehip Scrub and Cleanser is truly a two-in-one. This is the time of year I usually need to exfoliate a lot because I am bearing those legs and they're getting more sun, which means they're drying out a lot more too and from shaving. So that exfoliating sugar in the scrub buffs away dead and dry skin, and then it foams up into a milky lather to cleanse your skin. Truly a two-in-one. I'm doing the scrub while I'm doing a cleansing. It's perfect. And it smells amazing. And there's absolutely no mess left in the shower, which is a huge bonus point for me as well. Then after the shower and I've dried off, there's the rosehip dry body oil. Now I'm going to be honest. I don't like to moisturize because it's sticky. It's messy. I hate the dry time it takes. So I was a little hesitant, not thinking I would love this. And I ended up falling in love. It absorbs super fast. So you don't have to be sticky afterwards. That means you can get dressed and go. 
If you think that you didn't like body oils, well, think again, because this one is game changing. Frank Body is also a female founded skincare brand from Australia. That's all about embracing and celebrating our bodies. It's skin, hair, and body care. That's clean, effective, and let's be frank. It's affordable. Use my discount code right now, papaya for 15% off. I don't think I've ever had a Frank body coupon code before. So you all are getting the real scoop, but head on over to Frank body and use discount code papaya for 15% off at frankbody.com. One more time. That's frankbody.com and promo code papaya for 15% off on anything you need. Let's get back to today's show. Hi guys, I'm Haley Hubbard, mom and wife to a country music star. And I'm Jess Diamond, registered dietitian, parent educator, and mom. And this is the Meaningful Living Podcast, here to make parenthood and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. We bring on all our favorite experts and friends and answer all your questions. And ours. To break it all down into the simple and reliable tools, tricks, and answers. We get into the real side of it, parenthood, relationships, you name it. So join us every Monday at Meaningful Living, that's meaningful with two L's, for conversations that will leave you feeling way more confident. It takes a village and we can't wait for you to join ours. let's talk about kind of what happens when we betray ourselves and we live in that fear, because I see this happen a lot when people have gone through some sort of an, an event in their relationship and they come out mm-hmm. the other side, they've stayed together, but now there's this fear, or maybe it's from a past relationship and they've carried it into their current one, that fear of, you know, displeasing the other person or what somebody else said about them in relationship begins to apply in every relationship you have moving forward. Because I think there's Mm -hmm. like career stuff here, but then there's also like our relationships with our family, our partners and moving into like the partner space. I see so many people that uh, come into a time of self-betrayal because they're so terrified of the loss of relationship. And that's valid. I mean, I think it's very valid to have those feelings when you've gone through something that's really created this fear. I think for me, coming from being somebody who wanted a divorce and then spent three years trying to actually take the steps to do it, I understand how hard it is to choose yourself, and especially in a Mm -hmm. situation where you There are other people, there are kids, there is another person. There is a lot of things that come after making that decision. And, or more than that, maybe it's even something within your relationship. Maybe you had previously decided that life was going to go one way and you were going to do one thing and one person was going to work and one person was going to stay at home. And now you need to change that because it's not working for you. And we come to this crossroads of, I have this really, really important relationship and I trust and value and honor this. But at the same time, my fear of what happens next is really holding me hostage Mm -hmm. to um, self-betrayal. Is there anything we can kind of, that you can share that kind of speaks into when it, when relationships are involved and it's not just us sticking up for ourselves at work or us sticking up to like, you know, other people that are, but like actual real relationships that potentially are forever and making sure that we can delicately create a balance of compromise with boundaries and choosing ourselves in a partnership. Yes. And so the first thing I'd like to share is when we we go back to your sugar jar, if you're thinking about your sugar jar and and you're listening and thinking about it, we all only have one sugar jar. Mm. We don't have like, oh, my mom's sugar jar, my family's sugar jar, my work sugar jar. There's one jar because there's only one you. And all of the energy in your jar is going towards whatever you say yes or no to, right? Yeah. So that's really important because we often think, oh, I have my mom hat, my, my this hat. It's like one of you. So I also think it's important when we think about the self-betrayal, that piece and how that ties into this is most of us struggle with choosing ourselves the first time. Mm. Choosing yourself the first time is a learned practice. And yet most of us still don't choose ourselves the first time unless we've like got lots of practice and we, we get to a place and we still, even after lots of practice, make those decisions where we say to ourselves, oh, I knew I should have said no to this. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that when I say when we don't choose ourselves, we're betraying ourselves. This isn't from a place of judgment. It's from a place of honesty. Because when we understand what we're doing, we understand we're, we're better equipped to make different decisions in the future. 
it's not a judgment. Oh, okay. I, self, I betrayed myself. I'm not a good person. It's like, no, oh, I betrayed myself. Okay. So then why did I do this? Why does this feel better for me? Oh, because I'm afraid. Oh, because I'm afraid to hurt my family by telling them I don't want to come for Thanksgiving. I'm afraid to hurt my, my, my kids by telling them that I want a divorce. I'm afraid to let my partner know that I actually don't want to have children. Like whatever it is that you're going through, that's why you're, you're, you're not choosing yourself usually because you're trying to prioritize someone else's feelings, someone else's experience, because you know that choosing yourself sometimes disappoints others. And I think that that is the hardest piece when it comes to this is becoming comfortable with the fact that disappointment is a part of being in relationships. There's no way to be in a healthy relationship and everyone is always completely happy and comfortable with what's happening. People disappoint us when they make choices for themselves. And we say, well, they were doing what's best for them. It's important that we also learn to do that for ourselves and also recognize that there can be compromise, right? Let's say you're in a relationship where maybe you don't want it to end, but the way that it's currently working, like you were saying in the situation, maybe someone needs to work now, right? There's compromise. We get to have those tough conversations with our partners, with our friends, with our family and say, hey, the way that we're doing relationship right now, whatever kind of relationship it is, the way we're doing this relationship isn't working for me. And this is what I need. Are you going to be able to show up for me in this way? And then that person has a choice. They can say, absolutely, I've been thinking this too. Let's figure out how we're going to do this. Or they can say, I love you. I hear that that's how you need me to show up. Sorry, I'm not interested in therapy. Sorry, I'm not interested in working. Sorry, I want to have kids. And that's ultimately what their decision is. And then you both have to decide what happens there. The truth of the matter is when we choose ourselves, we do sometimes lose relationships. We do sometimes lose opportunities. Things sometimes do get really tough, but we have to ask ourselves what's worth it in this situation. Am I going to be better off? Are my kids going to be better off? Is my relationships going to be better off? Is my life going to be better off by making this tough decision now? And if that's the decision, then no matter how long it takes for you to take that first step, no matter how long it takes, keep that within yourself and make those tiny steps towards what feels best for you. It doesn't matter if it took you five minutes or five years. Yeah. Oh, I love when I get to share about Dipsy. Because whether it's a warm cup of coffee, basking in warm sunlight that we finally have, or listening to a sexy story, pleasure is all around us. With Dipsy, your sanctuary is waiting. Escape into a world where pleasure is your only priority. But what's Dipsy? Well, Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They completely set your mind ablaze in the best way. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. You can find stories about that intriguing coworker with a British accent or hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. They even have stories designed specifically for your Zodiac sign. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, like I've done, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and they now also offer written stories. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. And for listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. One more time, dipsystories.com slash papaya. You will not regret this. In fact, I hope you slide into my DMs and tell me how good this was. Let's get back to the show. And I had a therapist once say to me that resentment is one of the hardest things 
for a human mm-hmm. to resolve. And that, especially in relationships, very rarely do relationships come back from resentment. Mm-hmm. So if resentment has taken place and taken ground, there is no chance. So when we deny ourselves of what we actually need or when we're denying ourselves in, in any aspect of what we need, and when we don't choose ourselves, I guess, it is going to essentially build resentment. There's almost no mm-hmm. avoiding that because then, like you said, we watch other, we witness other people have what they want and what they chose for themselves while we're kind of reeling in the consequences of, of that not doing that, right? So I sometimes have to think about that too. I realize that disappointing people sucks. I hate the uncomfortable feeling that comes with it, but I know if the relationship is going to survive or have a fair shot, resentment can't take ground. So those conversations have to happen. That uncomfortable time is going to be there. It's going to be sometimes a real battle, but it has to be worth it in the end because otherwise it's not usually going to work out. Is that is that true for what you've seen that usually self-denial leads to resentment? Self-denial leads to resentment, not being honest with yourself, telling ourselves stories, lying to ourselves. And I also wanted to share that sometimes we feel resentment because someone did something to hurt us and we stayed or we're still here or we're still hurt. But sometimes we feel resentment because of decisions that we're choosing not to make. And that resentment is different. That's our own resentment that is based on us not making a decision. For example, if you need something different in your relationship and you're not saying anything, your partner's not going to read your mind. The resentment that you're feeling about your partner not meeting you it's kind of your responsibility to say something. Yeah. Yeah. It really is so important that we become active members of our own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Participants in our own life. But talk to me before we wrap up here, I need to know about the Sugar Jar community app because we've had the Sugar Jar analogy. I think we all listening now know that this is something that we need to start applying to our lives. What is the app? Where does that fit into all of this? Yeah. So I obviously use Instagram to share my work. I share it through writing. I share it through video. And I realized that I wanted to create a space where all of the work that I do and all of the topics, whether it's divorce, whether it's people pleasing, whether it's boundaries, I wanted them all to live. So the Sugar Jar Community app is a self-healing tool that you can carry with you wherever you're going. Audio workshops, video workshops, affirmations, a journal. And let's say you just had a tough conversation with a friend and you're like, this is ridiculous. You go into the app, you type in the topic you're looking for, you pull up the audio workshop, you listen to it. It's a tool that you can use in real time. You can do it at work. You can do it on the train. You can do it while taking care of your kids. I'm a mom. I needed something while we're doing things. And I wanted people to feel like if I, let's say you can't afford therapy, this is something that you can use to to do your own self-healing journey. But even if you're in therapy, most people only go like once a week, twice a month, if they can, you know, do that. What are you doing in between that? We often, we have to continue to keep ourselves honest and this helps us do that. It helps us ask those tough questions. It helps us build those tools that help us to do the self-interrogation, for lack of a better term, that I've been talking about, that self-questioning and curiosity and building the language to be able to communicate what we need. I'll say that my big, the biggest thing that my therapist ever taught me was to pay attention to my thoughts and to start, you know, Mm -hmm. creating opinions and doing that. And that I think truly, because I think a lot of us were told by society, what happiness looks like, right? Whether it's a weight or size, whether it's a look, whether it's a house, whether it's a relationship status, all of these things that we're told that when we get there. And for me, it was like, the cookie cutter marriage. And it was like, you know, being a small size that when I got there, there, you're met with disappointment. Right. And I think, I don't think I'm feeling disappointment in my career. I think I'm very happy with what I do, but I think I lack boundaries. And so then I'm feeling disappointment that it's not maybe as secure for myself in the realm of my own mental well-being. right? You want Mm -hmm. your job to fit into your life. So I think it's but as I, you know, we're having this conversation, I feel so uncomfortable saying it because I'm like, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I realize how I almost have to go back to that where if I'm really listening to what I'm thinking and I'm paying attention to what my needs are, my life will change and things will, things will get better. So I'm going to download the app. I'm going to do it after this. I'm going to get into doing that again. Cause I think it is really a daily practice. And I know mm-hmm. anything adding to a schedule sounds impossible right now, but I do love something that 
fits in. And it's as simple as, you know, asking yourself these putting questions. Putting it on the car. Which, yeah. 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 Putting it on in, in the times that you can, right? Throwing an AirPod in mm-hmm. when you're doing the dishes, whatever you need to do. But share with me a little bit more of where else people can find you and dive into this, because I think that this is sort of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to doing this sort of stuff. And we know these are buzz, these are buzzwords lately, right? You know, we talk about boundaries and, you know, or trauma and your intuition and all of this stuff. It can get really cloudy in terms of what we need to be doing. So I just love your work because I think it's very tangible into our lives. So tell us where we can find you and like start plugging in. Thank you. So again, I've been doing this work for like longer than I want to admit, but like 14, 15 years. Wow. Even when this work is not popular, it will still impact your life. So the Sugar Jar Community app can be found on Apple. It can be found on Google Play. I also have the Sugar Jar podcast where you can listen to it anywhere that you listen Mm. to podcasts. And Instagram, I share tips and all of the things to help you dive into your self-healing work. Oh, thank you so, so much. I really love, I think I really needed this conversation today. (laughs) I just woke up and I've had like, my stomach's just been a stress ball all morning Mm -hmm. and I don't have a reason why. Do you know what I mean? Where you just feel like something in my life is off the tracks and I need to figure out where it is. And I have some inklings of feelings of where I've been in self-betrayal and I need to get back into a place where I can start enjoying the life that I did work so hard for, you know, Mm -hmm. that like I'm 14 years into my career too. And like, to to get to this place is so amazing and I'm so honored, but I got to figure out how to enjoy it because otherwise I'm I'm not being present. Right. And I, I loved when you said that. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. And for everyone listening, uh, thank you so much. I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you as well. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, pink papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, pink papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at pink papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.